Whenever you're ready, Xavier. All right. Welcome back, you guys, to the Core 4 Podcast, Hardcore Grizzlies Basketball here. Man, you guys, we in for a, a great, great episode right here. We have Grizzly Basketball coming this upcoming Sunday, which is preseason. And I'm here with my co-hosts, Matthew Gill, of course, and David Buckler. Matt, tell me that – were you expecting that – the the season to sneak upon us this easily, this quick for us. Like we got media day that dropped today. Like I said, we got some Grizzlies preseason game this upcoming Sunday. Like it, it's really here. It's right here in front of our eyes right now. Yeah, man, it snuck up on me for sure. I think for guys like us who are also football fans, um, it can get uh, it can get away from you quickly. These uh, last uh, last little summer months and the first of the fall, man, it just flies by once you get football back in going and. Kind of put basketball on the back burner. And then, you know, this week we get media day and we see kind of the end of the trade season and what probably is going to be the end of like offseason moves for the NBA. I think rosters are pretty set now. Obviously, Dame was kind of the last domino to fall. And uh, we'll get into all that and like all the dominoes that fell afterwards uh, as a part of that deal and stuff like that. But man, yeah, it snuck up quick. We were just talking about the, the Grizzlies schedule when their first game is going to be. All this stuff, man, this offseason flew by. It feels like we were just crowning uh, the Denver Nuggets, my my uh, my Nuggets, and then Jokic is the you know best player in the league now and stuff like that, man. And the offseason just flew by so quickly. I can't believe it's already here, man. But I've missed basketball so much, I cannot wait for it to get started back. And just as sports fans, like this is kind of the best time of year where you get playoff baseball going, you get basketball back, and football's in full swing, man. There's no better time to be a sports fan. Yeah. Dave, I know right now our Cowboys are rolling. Hopefully the Grizzlies can follow suit as soon as they get get started with their first game. How are you feeling knowing that basketball is right around the corner? Yeah, and it's so exciting. And and yeah, the Cowboys are having a good season, but but exactly what Matt said, this is the best time here. College football, NFL, NHL is starting soon, the NBA. What's interesting about the NBA though is they say nobody pays attention to the NBA until like Christmas or until like, you know, the Super Bowl is over. I totally disagree. For people that really love the NBA, you can't win the championship in November and December, but you can lose quality playoff seedings. And that's why. It's a critical year for Memphis with John missing the first 25 games. So, yes, the season, you know, when he comes back, it'll take a different turn. But we have to make sure that Memphis hangs in there early and doesn't dig themselves too deep a hole. Is that fair, Xavier? Because if they drop to like the 11th or 12th in the West, that's a lot to make up right in February, March and April. Uh, into into the playoffs. So I think the beginning of the season this year particularly is every bit as important for us. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, it's it's a full 82 season, 82 games for a reason. And so you got to go out there and play every single night. And we're going to go into detail about Grizzlies' future. And then we talked about earlier, you know, about media and trades in this upcoming episode. But these 25 games without John Morant could be urgent, but at the same time, we learned some no more news about if he actually is going to be available with the team inside the locker room and being around the team and other news that you know about the players, especially what we learned today about media day. And I'm going to go ahead and swing us to our first topic. We're going to do a little over and under game right here to start things off for this episode. So I'm going to do the simple one. I'm going to, we all going to have our own little, Thoughts about over and unders about the Grizzlies. So I'm going to do the simple one. Right now, I'm a FanDuel type of guy when I look at Vegas. FanDuel has the Grizzlies at winning around 45 games. Matt, do you see the Grizzlies winning more than 45 games or under 45 games? It's way under for me. I mean, I think I'm way more of a pessimist um, than, like, most fans, especially on Grizzlies Twitter that, like, we interact with and see. I just don't see a world in where you have a team where your best player is not going to be playing, you know, a significant amount of your games to start the year. And you're going to, you know, exceed a win total in Vegas. Like those guys are pretty good at putting a number on it. And I think it's going to be hard to get to that number. And it's not just because of like what's going on on the inside with the Grizzlies. Like the West is just loaded, man. It's going to be a gauntlet every single night getting wins in the Western Conference. And I think the Grizzlies, you know, 
while I think they are still in that, you know, second tier of teams and like contenders and stuff like that, I think most of these teams are going under their win total. So just by that logic, I have to go under on the Grizzlies as well. I just, I, I don't see it. I still don't love this roster necessarily. I, I think they kind of got worse than they were last year going into the year. And I didn't feel great about last year either. They obviously exceeded my expectations from last year because uh, I said they were going to be a play-in team. But they, you know, um, had a little bit better season than that last year. But I, I just don't see a world where your best player is not with you for 25 games and, and you're going to win, you know, in that 46 to 50 range in a normal year. And when it, in this year in particular, the West is so deep and so talented and so loaded. Xavier, you've talked about it before. The, there's more talent in the NBA than ever before, man, and – I don't know. There's just so many other teams that I think are on the come up that it's going to be really hard for the Grizzlies to even maintain where they've been at the last couple of years, let alone like exceed a win total like that um, in this season. So I'm going under 45 and a half for sure. We look at the past two years with the Grizzlies. They've won over 50 games. Now Vegas got us at 45 games. That's a, a sort of a big drop. Dave, you see that Matt saying that he feels that we're under 45 games. What are you feeling? I'm going under as well. And I, I think the lesson that I have from the last couple of years is that we had very good regular seasons, number two seeds in the West both years, over 50 wins. And, and really the number doesn't matter in the regular season as much as we have a lot to get right before the playoffs next year. Between the health of the roster, between getting job back and integrated into the team, so I'm not as concerned whether it's like 42 wins or 47 wins or 55 wins, wherever the number turns out to be. What I'm more concerned is how are they looking, you know, beginning of April next year? Because I think there's we're going to get to training camp goals and issues later. I think there's a lot of unrest right now. You know, you look at these other teams, a lot of peace and, and tranquility in Denver. You know, a, a lot of teams have like kind of like not much – upheaval usually chaos doesn't play out very well when your best players out 25 games and to think he's going to come back in game 26 and just be his old self and an all-star I, I just think there's a lot of moving parts right now it worries me I'm going to go under Xavier on that number my number would have been about 42 43 and I think if we hit that we're going to make the playoffs and that's a good year considering what we're dealing with going in 42 43 both of the guys going under 45 wins. Dave's, Dave and I, we was talking earlier. I tweeted earlier to this yeah. year. I said, I see the Grizzlies winning 60 wins this year. And I know that's a big jump that what FanDuel has. And I feel like I'm going to still stand on my word. I feel like the Grizzlies can have a good season. Okay, but let's break that down, Xavier, because I saw that on Twitter and I was like, oh, my God, I love this guy, but, like, over 60 wins. But, like, the West admittedly, even Houston, even you know these these uh, even San Antonio, these teams can win games. Where are we going to get sixty plus wins in a league that is really full of talent right now? That is correct. We understand that this league is full of talent, but we do understand though of what goes on in the NBA day by day. Unfortunately, injuries are going to happen, and we do know there is certain teams that have players that are always injured. And that's always going to be not necessarily the greatest at the beginning of the year. I look at teams like the Clippers. They always like the low management. Do we know the, the standards of Kawhi and Paul George? We see what uh, Anthony Davis, He he's always injured. Yes, the Lakers had made a run last year, and he stated this year he wants to play all 82 games. That's not realistic. Now, don't get me wrong, though. Like, there is a lot of great teams that's on the rise. Like you said, Houston, San Antonio, these guys are going to be – Pretty dominant teams. I mean, not necessarily dominant teams, but they're going to be teams that you you got to watch out. They're like, feisty, right? They're feisty. Yeah, Oklahoma City. I'm not feisty. saying I'm not saying this is going to be an easy path. I still feel confident about the Grizzlies. This is a defensive team. Defensive teams always typically prevail. We go back to even years, for example, when Tom Thibodeau was coaching the Bulls without Derrick Rose. They were still a top four team in the NBA, and they didn't even have a second all-star, really, offensively. We have Jaron Jackson of a def defensive player of the year. We got Marcus Smart now, who was a defensive player of the year two years ago. Desmond Main has always elevated his game, jumping each year to year. 
The Grizzlies being a defensive team, you're not going to allow teams to just outscore you tremendously. I feel like they can play a lot of close games with these other teams. Now, I will be honest, a lot of it will come down to an end and who's going to have the better superstar. But I'm seeing, I feel like between Bain and Jaron Jackson, I feel like they're going to have a significant jump. And that's going to lead me to my other over and under right there, in which I feel like the, the Grizzlies are going to have two or more all-stars this year, in which I believe is going to be Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson. So that that's, that's just me. I feel like that the, without – with John Morant being gone without those 25 games, Jaron and, 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 and Bain is going to – we're going to rely heavily on those two. So the number would be one and a half, right? So you're going yeah, – Yeah, one and a half. One and a half all. Yeah, one and a half. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> what about you, Matt? No, well, yeah, I was just going to say, so that that would be the point. Is there, There's no way they're letting Ja be an all-star this year. It can't happen. And so the number, yeah, you would you would go under uh, two and a half, one and a half, obviously a little bit more tricky. I think Desmond Bain can, you know, make a leap. Jaron, I'm I'm really impressed with what I saw in the, uh, you know, in the World Cup stuff on Team USA. He was really good. Um, offensively, I thought we saw, you know, some growth there. Obviously, the rebounding is something I'll always harp on with Jaron. I don't think we're, you know, ever going to see him live up to his potential as a rebounder just with the size that he has, just because that's just not really, you know, his style. We just haven't seen that so far. Um, you know, he mentioned today in media day that he wants to be an improved rebounder. I'll believe it when I see it, but you know, I think that the rebounding has obviously been, you know, supplemented with guys like bringing in Steven Adams. That's what Steven Adams was brought in to do was to rebound because they know Jaron is not a elite rebounder like that. Uh, I think Jaron is a, a guaranteed all-star because we know what he can do defensively. As I said, I think he's going to take a jump offensively, but the, the depth of, at guard in this league is so great. It's really hard to get one of those top spots unless you are really the lead scoring option on a, you know, a good Western, you know, uh, you know, Western conference team or, you know, across the league, whatever it may be, the guard position is the deepest spots. And it's really hard to get one of those spots. And I just don't see Desmond Bain getting to that level this year. Um, they're going to rely on him. The, the, you know, the, the good part about it is that obviously the all-star voting is going to be based on the beginning of the season where more is going to be put on him without jaw. Right. So like his numbers are probably going to be inflated from that, but I don't see him making an all-star team this year. I think it's just Jaron and that's all we got this year. And I think we should be happy about that. Jaron's an awesome player and he'll be a good representative, but I don't see Bain making it. It's just too deep of the guard spot. Yeah. I think that there's just too many good players in the West. And one of the things that hurts Bain as an example is he's never made it before. You know, we, we sort of tend to go with like, well, Damian Little always makes the all-star team. You know, Luka Doncic always makes the all-star team. And now, <laughs> although nice to have Lillard now in the Eastern Conference, maybe that opens up a spot in the West. But I, I don't think we're going to have any all-stars, to be honest. I, I We're going to get to hot takes later. I did not, I disagree with you, Matt. I didn't love what I saw from Jaron in the, in, in the FIBA world basketball classics. I mean, like two rebounds a game, like the, the rebounding growth is, 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 is frustrating. I think, I think we need more from Jaron around the basket. And I'm, I'm not sure that offensively his game is refined enough. Now he made it last year. Very proud. You know, once you're an all-star, you can always say that. I, I just don't know that he's like a perpetual every year all-star that we've seen. And I think there's a lot of, of really good players in the West. So I'm going way under one and a half. If we were in Vegas right now, um, I just think Ja is our one nationally recognized spectacular player that would be that guy every year that they would say, you know, he's going to go to the All-Star game. But as you mentioned, he's not going this year. So we'll see how that plays out. More, you know, more importantly, though, after the All-Star break, is our rotation set? Are we healthy and are we ready for the playoffs? Yeah, and that is true. Um, so, Dave, what, what two – over and unders, or I mean, what two? I can't get it on. Uh, what two? Why am I not able to get this? Well, okay. I, I'll tell you what, Xavier, I got an over and under for you. Yeah, well, yeah, what two? Yeah, under. I don't know why I'm talking about the team. You're good. You're good. Uh, yeah, the, the, the over and under I have is how many games is Ja going to play this year? So oh, yeah, he's right. eligible for 57. So over and under the number 50, Matt. Is, is Ja going to play over 50 or under 50 this year? I keep just banging these unders, but, like, that's just kind of how I feel. I, as a guy we've seen um, have some injuries, 
in the past. I think even when he becomes eligible, I, I think that they will bring him along slowly. That seems to be the way that they handle these. You know, obviously this is different from an injury, right? The suspension, but in these situations in the past where they're having to reintegrate guys, they generally do it slowly. Um, it also depends. You know, it would be interesting to look at, you know, I, I could look at it right now, but, you know, it depends on what does the schedule look like when he comes back, right? Do they have a bunch of back-to-backs in that time? Do they have more back-to-backs in the second part of the year when, you know, he does come back and he's eligible? So more more than likely, he's going to play less than that. What was the number you gave me? 50? I think it's under that. Um, and you got to hope when you stack that up, if he plays less than 50 and you look at the over-under on win totals, they're going to have to win a lot of the games that he plays, almost all of them. Uh, And as Xavier said, they're going to be in a lot of tight ball games, and it's going to come down to, is job better than the other team's superstar? And a lot of nights he is, but that's kind of what gives me pause on, you know, being super high on this team. Like, they're going to have to take advantage when Jaw is in there and he's back with the team full-time and playing you know, but I, I just think that this is a cautious franchise. They look at these guys as long-term assets, and to protect that asset, the best move is for him to play less games than that. And the other part of it is take the suspension completely out of it. Just think about what has happened the past two playoffs when Ja has gotten hurt at the end of the year. They want him to be healthy at the end of the year no matter what. They want him with the team, and they want him to be able to play the entire playoffs. Um, as far as they can take it. So I think it's they're going to be cautious with them as they have with other guys coming back off of, um, you know, different injuries or whatever. But, yeah, I, I see it being under 50 for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Matt. Um, you know, as look at the history with John Morant. He does always have some type of injury. And I'm not wishing that he does get injured this upcoming season. But as well, we don't live in – Players don't play a full season anymore, even if he was, even with this 25 games that he's going to be out. We know that teams somehow, some way are going to throw in some type of load management, even though that, you know, the NBA just passed this new rule to to battle against load management. They still, teams can find a way to manipulate that or just go ahead and take the fine. So I see that most likely he's going to play under that 50 game limit. But I mean, it's not safe to say that like, it's not a, that's a bad thing. But at the same time, though, depending on what position the Grizzlies in after these 25 games, if they're, you know, under 500, a lot of um, under 500, I can see Ja wrapping, ramping up, you know, wanting to be ready and, and be there for his team to, you know, for us to make a push and make a big move to, to get us on the winning side. But besides that, I see that being the under most definitely. So let me ask this. Going back to media day, I guess there was a comment today that he's going to be able to practice. And Taylor Jenkins said, well, we're going to play him with the second unit. And we have kind of a plan in place. Right. I mean, it was kind of interesting because he can't practice with the first unit because then they're not going to have the consistency they need for a, a, a good chunk of the season. So it's it's weird. So when does he start integrating with the first unit? He's not going to come off the bench right in game 26, is he? Well, we did see that happen when that first suspension. He did come off the bench the first two games, I believe. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jenkins does, you know, go ahead and put him on the bench. Hmm. And John Moran isn't the type of person that his ego is just too big to not come off the bench. Jaron did it once he was injured. Well, was it 2021? I believe he did it when he was injured 2021 coming off the bench. I don't see, you know, the Grizzlies' precaution to these players is we're going to take our time with them, especially when you got somebody like John Morant in which his game primarily focuses on athleticism. And he, if he hasn't played ball in, you know, three and in, in, in a quarter of a season, you don't want to just go ahead and throw him out there and, and take a chance of him actually pulling a muscle and getting injured. I say just take the precautions ramp them up slowly, and from there, you you especially when you know once we're hitting the 25th game, by the 20th game, I feel like that he should be training and running with the first unit, hmm. at least so he can start getting a, a, a feel for his starting unit teammates because at the end of the day, we know that he's the star player on our team. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to just, you know, to kind of finish the segment, uh, I, I think he's going way under 50 games. I think 
between the schedule. Like, for example, so Claudia and I, uh, we're going to go to Miami. We just booked our flights down to Miami to see when the Grizzlies play the Heat in the middle of January. And I saw it's the end of a four-game road trip for Memphis. Uh, and I would be surprised. Like, as an example, that would be a game I think maybe he would miss. Um, it's because, because you guys make a good point. Like that, this organization is conservative, right? When it comes to injuries, I mean, it, it's taken Stephen Adams, you know, eleven months now to heal from like a slightly torn knee ligament. Uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, but it, it, I, I, I think Jaw's going to play about forty games, and and all that matters is, oh, is he integrated, healthy, and and back ready to go when the playoffs start? Yeah, Matt. Um, you real quick, you tell us what your over and under is things that you have for for the Grizzlies? Yeah, I mean, you know, I started out looking at the kind of the long-term stuff, but we're at the beginning of the season. I don't want to talk about playoff rotations yet. we got a long time before we get there. So I'm just going to ask you this. Is there is it over or under four and a half guys on this roster you just trust? Bottom line, just trust. Whether that be a, in a starting role, in a finishing role at the end of games, is there more than four and a half guys you trust? Because looking up and down this roster right now, man, that's kind of where I land is at four guys. So, Xavier, I'll start with you. Is there more than four guys on this Grizzlies roster right now that you trust? Yeah, there most certainly is over four. I can name six or seven. So the I trust the four easy I, ones. If I had to name them right off the back, I trust Ja, Bang, Jaren. Adams. But yeah, that's I trust Marcus. Yeah, Marcus Smart. I trust Marcus Smart. Shoot, I, I you can even throw in I trust their grows as a vet. That's somebody who's been there for a while. I know he hasn't played, he didn't play at all last year, basically, but that's a vet. And you can even throw in Santi. Now, Clark, I don't know if he's gonna play this year. If Clark plays, that's another guy that is well that like I guarantee trust. So yeah, it's a, I I go over on that all day. See, I, I think the, the four easy ones are obviously Job, Bain, Jaron, and Steven Adams to me. The reason I cut off at that point is like Clark, you know, injury concerns. Obviously, Steven Adams has his own. But when I say trust, when it comes to Steven Adams, at least, I just know what I'm getting from him on the floor every night. And that makes him a guy that I trust. And he, put, he, he puts that he's in that tier because of that for me. And then when you look at a guy like Marcus Smart is somebody who – you know, I, I wasn't super fired up when that trade happened because he is not a guy I trust offensively, specifically. Like, I just don't know what you're getting from him game to game. I don't know what he thinks his role is going to be on this team. I don't know what Taylor Jenkins wants his role to be on this team. Derrick Rose, as you said, a guy that hasn't played a ton of basketball the last two years, and we don't know how much he has left in his legs. So, like, that's where he misses that cut for me. Dave, what about you? Um, more or less than four guys that you trust on this Grizzlies roster right now? Yeah, I'm usually pretty grumpy, right? Or like always looking at the, the pessimistic side of things. I, I'd go over, actually, though. I, I think the team does have players that I would trust. I'm not uh, convinced they're going to be healthy and, and everything's going to be fluid by the time we get to the playoffs. But I, I like Luke Kennard. I trust Luke Kennard. I, I, I do trust Marcus Smart. I mean, and, and, and maybe we need to define the word trust. I trust that they're going to be professionals and show up ready to play. You know, if you're saying, do I trust them in a game seven? Who would I get the ball to at the end of the games? That maybe that's a bit different. But I but I think the team has a good a good set of professionals. And I would go over. I, I think if there's health on this team, they have enough guys that are going to contribute. And, and you know, I sort of trust Roddy to come off the bench and give us good minutes. Um I don't trust Zaire Williams. You know, there's other guys on the team that I that I wouldn't trust. I don't trust Laravia, but I would go over on your number 4.5 because I do think our roster is deep and talented. Yeah, I think there's guys yeah. that, like, I could be convinced of and, like, definitely could, um, by the end of the season, have my mind changed. But I just think those young guys, Roddy in particular, as you just mentioned, like, I don't know. We'll see if he makes the yeah. second-year jump that a lot of guys do make, and maybe he does become a guy that you trust. But there was some offensive inconsistency, I thought, last year – so he, he doesn't make that cut for me yet. Luke Kennard would be my fifth, I think, um, just because you know what you're going to get from him. And I think that's that's the problem with saying, do you trust this guy? Like, it's it's a case-by-case basis on what the, the meaning of trust is. Because, like, for Steven Adams and Luke Kennard, I know what I'm getting every night. But, like, Brandon Clark, I know what I'm getting too. But I also – I don't know what this injury is right now. So I just – I don't know how much I trust 
um, him being a big part of this roster this year. So it, it's different for every player for sure. But, yeah, that, that was just my gut reaction when I looked at it and set that number. But, you know, I guess you guys are a little, little higher on this roster this year. Yeah. Okay, we're going to swing to our next topic, and we're going to talk a little bit about training day and then as well, you know, today as media day. So as we was talking about earlier, today was the opening day of training camp slash media day. Today was media day. And a lot of serious questions was asked to players, coaches, and the front office. Dave, were there any news or any questions that just truly shocked you today? There were not any questions that truly shocked me today. I think uh, climate plays a little close to the vest because there's there's some areas of this team that are, are, are just unclear right now. And I think he's going to play close to the vest. And I expected that, but it, you know, when I think about the media day, it's so exciting. Cause Oh my God, here we are. Like it's, it's cool that they're going to training camp tomorrow. And the word that I keep thinking about Xavier is we need clarity. I think there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. What do you like? I, I, I read Taylor Jenkins and something like we're hopeful that Steven Adams is back for the preseason. He hurt his knee in January. I don't understand, unless the injury was not accurately reported initially. What do you mean you're hopeful? It was a, it's a partially torn knee. It wasn't not an ACL tear that takes 10, 11, 12 months. And he looks like he's an oak tree. That's the other thing I don't understand. It's like, this guy looks like he's, like, you can't hurt him. And, and a small knee injury, you know, like, uh, he might not be back for the preseason the following year. I think we need clarity. What is Zaire Williams' role in this team? You know, where where is LaRavia and Roddy in, in this rotation? I think there's some clarity that they need to uh, find over the course of training camp. And it does not help that our best player is out for 25 games and he's going to participate in, you know, second team stuff. And I, so I, I will say that the other thing I'm fascinated to find out here as we get into training camp is the point guard rotation, because I'm not sure Derek Rose is going to really help us. I really hope he does. And he's a great story being a, you know, a, a Memphis tiger, but uh, there, to me, there's just a lot of clarity that I need over the next uh, three weeks or so before we go into our first game. Yeah. You, you mentioned about how with the Memphis Grizzlies front office you used the word about them, not, is it you use cloudy? I need clarity. Clarity, yeah. You need clarity about, especially Stephen Adams. They the Memphis front office has has been discreet about Adams' status. It's not they're not being transparent with it. And like I said, I made a video today talking about you know most of the major news of the Grizzlies. The word hopeful for Stephen Adams that isn't a good sign for us Grizzlies fans because. No. We know what he brings. I mean, we go back and look at the playoffs. If we had Steven Adams matched up against Anthony Davis, man, we can be able to get rebounds so many, so many times. We know what Steven Adams brings. Now, Matt, is there anything that, like, really just truly opened your eyes of what Kleiman said or any player said today at Media Day? I mean, the big thing that we didn't know and now we know is that Jaw is going to be with the team even during his suspension, at least in some way, you know. And we touched on it already a little bit, like he is going to be practicing and they'll have to figure out what that, you know, looks like for them. So that was kind of the big eye-opener is that Jaw is going to be around this team at least a little bit before he comes back to be playing games. Um, Adams not being 100% was the, other, was the next one I wrote down. Uh, Taylor Jenkins was pretty honest. It seemed like with the fact that they don't really know who their fifth starter is. Um, you know, I think clearly if Steven Adams is not ready, then that means there's kind of two open spots right now, but you know, he doesn't sound like he's super confident in who's going to be playing that, what we assume is going to be like that three position for us. And that kind of opens uh, the question of what is Zaire's role as, as Dave said, and Zaire was the player. I was the most, excited to hear from um today he was a guy who we really beat up on last year or at least i did like he was not good uh we definitely saw a regression and when we did see him and he was injured a lot and there seemed to be some kind of miscommunication about like where his injury is at right now but it seems like they're hopeful that he's going to be better uh and improved and going to be a bigger part of this season for him uh, he had one quote. He said he his only two individual goals this year were to play all 82 games, 
which speaking of the health thing, that would be great to see. And then his other thing was make a all defensive team. Now I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm glad to hear him say it. You know what I mean? Like that was good to hear a young guy say that. And the other part of me that, uh, you know, just enjoyed listening to Zaire Williams. If you, if you've heard this kid talk, he is like the happiest, you know, happy go lucky kid. It seems like last year, even though he, you know, it was a disappointment objectively, it seems like that hasn't really hurt him by any means. He seems to still be excited to be a Memphis Grizzly and to be an NBA player and, and excited for another opportunity at it. So just to hear him to not be like broken and, and worn down from what happened last year and just fired up to get out there and play ball uh, was really was really good, and I enjoyed that from him. And then the last thing I had written down that I thought was interesting from the quotes today, I guess Marcus Smart, it was said uh, that they – are not going to be babysitters that 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 was not what they were brought in for um heads up buddy you and derrick rose were brought in to do that to bring a little bit of veteran leadership to a team that you know what had up and down moments we'll say last year uh they are brought in to be leaders may yeah they're not they don't have to be babysitters these are grown men they are professional athletes they are still going to go out and have fun but Marcus Smart, that is part of your role. That is what you were brought in for is to give some veteran leadership and kind of get this next-gen Grizzlies thing that we were all really fired up for when Jaron and Ja and Bain were all really young guys and, you know, making some noise. Now we got to move into the next phase where we're adults and we're going to be contending for championships. And Marcus Smart, that's what you were brought here to do. So I think that maybe he was trying to – make a good PR move by saying that, by saying that they don't need to to do that to babysit these guys. But in reality, we can't go through another season of this. Like once Jaws back on the team, the suspension is served. Let's put all this behind us. Let's be professionals. And Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose are going to play a big role in that. So they are to an extent going to be babysitters. Um, so I was interested to hear them say that. Yeah. Or can can I ask you guys a question? Because uh, so, again, if I say this out loud, that Stephen Adams had a, 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 a knee injury in January and here we are. And then there was that story that the, they had a, a players only meeting. Right. Where I guess he was very vocal about we need to grow up there. I don't know all the quotes, or all the exact words, but he did say something that we and, and at the time we're like, what? And then Ja came out and he had the whole problem. Is there any feeling that you guys have? that some of this Steven Adams stuff is not his knee and there's something else going on with him that he doesn't want to be a part of this team. I don't think that's the issue. Steven Adams is a, a guy I feel like that he'll be direct and upfront. Um, it seems like that he's always been happy here in Memphis. And I don't think that there was any involvement that just truly made him unhappy, especially with that situation of, you know, with John Morant. You know, Stephen Adams is a guy that if he's out there, he's going to give you this 110% each and every night. And I feel like if he is unhappy, he will be, you know, pretty much vocal about it. It's nobody that's going to really want to fight Stephen Adams, truth be told. So um, I don't see it as a way that, like, okay, necessarily since a lot of these guys have some immaturities, he says, all right, I'm done. He understands that the Grizzlies has something special. He's a, a unique person, and, and he, he brings value to this team. I mean, we didn't re-sign him and, and trade Valachunas for no reason. Uh, he understands his role here. But, I mean, I, underst I, I can understand why you mentioned that because, uh, you know, we see what John Morant did at the beginning. I mean, during February last year to, you know, doing it again this offseason. But I don't think that he's dragging this out due to the fact that, he's unhappy with this team. Hmm. I don't either. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that. I think uh, this is definitely an injury that um, got underreported, which I, I can't remember which of you said that just a second ago, my bad. But uh, I think that Steven Adams is a guy, as Dave said, who you look at and you know, is a super tough dude, right? Like that's kind of his, you know, that's what he's known for around the league is being the strongest, toughest dude mm -hmm. in the entire league. He's a guy that can take a beating. He's a guy that does the dirty work for you. And the other part of it, too, that, like, we got to remember is, like, Steven Adams is, like, the sneaky young dude in the NBA, kind of similar to Jason Tatum. Like, it feels like Jason Tatum's still 19. Like, Steven Adams just turned 30 
three months ago. So, you know, we look at him as a guy who's way older than Ja and Jaron and stuff like that. And obviously there is some kind of gap there because of, of a little bit of an age gap. But he's not 40. You know what I mean? Like, I think we lo- lose perspective of how old Steven Adams is and, like, what he's about. I'm sure, you know, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush. But I think the New Zealand crowd gets down pretty hard, too. I can imagine Steven Adams went out once or twice with these guys during the season. Like, I, I think he's you know, down to have fun, too. And I, I don't think that that was part of it. I think that he was the first wave of guys brought in, like Derrick Rose and like Marcus Smart, of the first, you know, kind of move towards, all right, we need some veteran leadership around this young core. And I don't think that Steven Adams is like a natural leader like that. He is not a guy who's like super demonstrative on the court and is going to fire people up. He's a really good role player for you, and he does his job really well. Marcus Smart is a guy who can fire you up, who will get in your face and tell you that you are not, you know, being a a good teammate, a good pro, whatever it may be. Like, Steven Adams just isn't a vocal leader like that. So I think he was originally brought in to be that veteran leadership. That was probably, you know, he was probably a little underqualified to be the only guy. And maybe he was feeling, you know, that he was tired of being that role or whatever, but I don't think that would keep him off the court. I think he's a, a super tough guy who even himself didn't want to admit that he was more hurt than he really was for whatever the motivation might be. And I think, you know, it's taken too long for him to get recovered from this injury that was reported. Uh, I would agree with you there, Dave. So I just think it was something more. I will say this too, though, right? We've always known Steven Adams, like you said, Matt, as a, a, a brute type of guy. I mean, reality is what if, he just isn't comfortable right now with himself as, you know, with his strength. Maybe right now he doesn't identify himself as being a brute, a brute, and which that's what he's been known for his whole NBA entire career. So if you don't have that strength value from Steven Adams, then what is, what is Steven Adams? Like, what can he bring to the table? Because offensively, he's not there. And, you know, his strength is a factor defensively for him getting on the offensive glass, in the defensive glass, and, you know, banging with those bigger guys. So maybe, they're you know, the Grizzlies are actually taking those precautions, and maybe they really just messed up and mis- mismanaged his injury. Okay, heading along to our next topic. We had a last-minute trade before training camp. Last week, Damian Lillard, the NBA superstar, longtime Portland Trail Trailblazer, was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks in a three-team deal. This trade here has now has now made the Milwaukee Bucks one of the top favorites to win the NBA Finals this year. Matt, do you think this was a great move by the Bucks, and do you see them as a top team in the East? I like Boston more, but I think um, Milwaukee. I like Boston's long-term options more, but I I think Bo- or excuse me, I think Milwaukee is going to be the better regular season team. Um, I think Boston is going to win the East. I think I think Milwaukee, similar to what we've seen from them the last couple of years, I think this is going to be a great regular season team. They're going to have the best record in the East and then flame out. That's that's kind of my prediction for how this thing all shakes out in the end. I think it made them better in the short term um, and, and is going to they're going to be a good offensive team this year. Obviously, take a step forward with Dame over Drew and they have the defensive pieces in, you know, Giannis and Brooke Lopez to kind of make up some of the slack that's left behind with Drew Holiday. But I just love Drew Holiday, man. I think he is such a good player. I can't believe they, you know moved on from him. I really just didn't see Milwaukee as a team that was going to get involved in this Dame sweepstakes because I just love Drew Holiday that much. I think he's a great defender. I thought he fit in really well with that Milwaukee team, and he was a huge piece of that championship that they won in 2021. You can make the argument he was the second best player. You can make the argument he was the third best player, whatever. He was super impactful, um, you know, causing a lot of disruption for that Phoenix offense. Uh, and he made one of the biggest plays of that championship when he had a strip and, you know, threw a half-court alley-oop to Giannis that, that really kind of won them the title in the end, and and Drew was a huge part of that team, and I'm so fired up to watch Boston versus Milwaukee games this year in the regular season and hopefully in the playoffs. I think it's going to make Milwaukee a really good regular season team. I don't think it takes them over the top as, a, as an Eastern Conference champion, let alone a finals, you know, NBA finals winner. 
But, you know, I think they got better in the short term. Yeah, you mentioned Drew Holiday. He went to the Celtics. He was sort of basically a part of that Damian Lillard package. Dave, obviously right now everybody's got the, the two favorites out the East, is the Bucks and the Celtics. Who are you picking out of the two? It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, and and then you have the Drew Holiday piece that he was a former Milwaukee Buck and he goes to Boston. I heard someone talk on, on I think it was Bill Simmons, at, you know, on his podcast saying, would Milwaukee have made that trade if they knew that Holiday was going to get flipped to the Celtics? And you could, you could argue that it's an interesting point. I, but but it, it, what I will say about the Damian Lillard trade is it's fun. It's fun for the NBA and it's fun. Also, congratulations to Portland not to be strong-armed and just to take whatever Miami was going to give them. So I, I really like the fact that they say, no, we don't want Tyler Hero and a bunch of picks just because you want to go to South Beach. Damian Lillard is going to like Miami. It, I'm sorry, he's going to like Milwaukee. It's a good organization. He's going to have fun, I think, playing with, with Giannis. And, and, and this championship window now is two, three years for them. It's I think it's a lot of fun. I, I think it's a good trade for Portland. They got some pieces I like. Um, and so we'll see the, the, the fascinating thing for me, do you remember when Dwight Howard went from Orlando, the protective bubble of Orlando, and he went to the Lakers and it was like, eh, it wasn't, wasn't that great. Like, cause now there was expectation. And when was the last time that Damian Lillard really had expectation? I know they went to the Western conference finals a couple years ago. Was Portland a, an NBA Finals contender in the last five, six, seven years? Really? Not not really. So now we're going to see him at high-level intensity playoff games. It's going to be fun. It's just fun. I, I'm glad he's in the East. I'm glad he didn't go to a, you know, a team in, in the Clippers, let's say, and that we have to go through. So it's a fun trade. I, I think it was like an old school, you know, they got they, they had it happen, made it happen, and then they flipped Holiday over to the Celtics to get more pieces. It's fun. You know, I want to say this. I want to give a shout out to Giannis, man, because prior before this trade, two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, he goes on on an interview and states that like he doesn't know really if he was going to sign an extension with Milwaukee. He put the pressure on the small market team to make the move. And guess what? The pressure was worse on Milwaukee. They made the move to get Damian Lillard. And that's what you do, because. Obviously, you know, you in a small market area, especially Milwaukee, it gets real cold in Milwaukee you know, in the winter times. Not too many people want to be up there in no cold in Milwaukee and surrounded by cheese. No disrespect. <laughs> but I was just saying, like, you're not you're not marketable to a lot of stars, even though, you, you know, Youngs is a top five player. It doesn't matter. So I'm loving what the Milwaukee front office did. I think it is a great trade. I mean, you do get rid of Drew Holiday. He was a fan favorite. He. You know, play great, courageous defense, a great playmaker. He, I mean, he was a perfect match to Giannis. But shoot, you get Damian Lillard, who arguably had his best season last year. A lot of people forget that man dropped 72 points just last year. Nobody's even talking about that to this day, like no, no more, because, you know, who cares? Everybody dropped 70 points now, obviously. But I mean, I'm, I'm loving this because it just goes to show you, like, if an organization wants to make their top player happy, they'll go out their way and do that. So shout out to uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo for applying pressure to that Milwaukee front office. But I wanted to ask both of you guys when I heard about this trade, because Milwaukee's not all that different from Memphis. It's not a free agent destination. I mean, Kevin Durant, you know, it, it, so the free agents aren't going to migrate to Milwaukee. They have to sort of make a deal, get Giannis some help, like you said, Xavier. I mean, is there a part of you guys that thought, why wasn't Memphis in this sweepstakes? Like, did we make a phone call? Because we're not going to get a lot of players, Damian Lillard's caliber, without giving up something and making some phone calls. So you could say he's too old, he's not in our timeline. But it was something I at least thought about that Milwaukee is sort of like a Memphis that has to make things happen because guys like LeBron and KD are not going to sign there. Yeah, I would say my uh, my the the other part of this was that Drew now ends up in Boston, and he is their replacement for Marcus Smart, who is now a Grizzly, and that's really the the thing I think they missed out on. They didn't need Damian Lillard. They don't need another score first guard, you know, to go alongside John Moran for their long term future. 
but they got a guy who's a defensive stopper and is another ball handler. And Drew Holiday is just a much better player than Marcus Smart is. And I think that they, you know, pulled the trigger too early. I think they didn't even get close to what Tyus Jones' real value was. And um, that's who I think they really missed out on not making a call for is Drew Holiday. Mm. Obviously, they couldn't have foreseen this was going to happen when they made that deal. But by pulling the trigger early on Marcus Smart, you know, they miss out on an opportunity and a guy who I think is a way better player than Drew Holiday. So I think that's who they missed out on. But the thing is, though, I don't see us getting a a Drew Holiday and he's going to fit the timeline of the Grizzlies. I mean, Drew Holiday is a starting point guard caliber player in – Reality, I mean, you got John Morant being, yes, he's going to be gone for 25 games, but when he comes back, you know, that'll be too small of a front court. We move in Bane possibly to the three. I know that's a possibility that we're going to do that right now. I just don't see that the Grizzlies would dial in for this trade right here, especially, you know, for Damian Lillard or, or Drew Holiday. It just does not fit the timeline due to the fact we already have a star guard. But I, I hope that Kleiman sees this as an example later down on later down the line. If we don't reach a championship, if things aren't going smooth, you can make a package in a way to try to get a disc because there's going to be another disgruntled star, pretty much, you know, an older star. And we can bring them here to Memphis. We can make a package. That's our way of getting a star because reality is there's not going to be anybody that's going to sign a, a big time contract here that who is a, a top 10 or, or a top 15 player here in Memphis. What's funny, though, is like I, I bristle at the term timeline, I guess. I uh, Well, our timeline is three years from now. Or it's four years from now. Oh, we're going to be so great. You know, our timeline, our window of championship. I, it just, I don't know. I want to win this year. I, I don't – you know, I'm old. I always joke with you. Like, I, my time – my timeline's now. Uh, and I think we have talented players. And, and I think – the league changes fast. And so like what we're just going to like, just kind of going to go along until 2025, 2026. And that now that's our timeline. Of course, you know, all these kids in Houston and Oklahoma city and all these other young teams, like the league changes fast. One beyond will be three years in. I mean, the league, we don't know what the league's going to look like in 2026. And so like, well, our timeline isn't now to win. Like, mm, really? I, I'm never comfortable with that mindset. I'd be a bad owner. <laughs> He's always ready to go all in. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I kind of like what the Celtics did. Let's go get Drew Holiday. I do, too. Let's yeah. help us win. I kind of like yeah, what the Milwaukee did. Let's go get Damian Lillard and try to win this year. You know, maybe they gave up assets. I don't know. But we don't know if Giannis is going to be in Milwaukee three, four, five. You know, if he's going to be healthy. He may, not, he may retire. Who knows? But they have him the, now, right? Let's go get Damian Lillard now and see if we can win a championship. And I, you know, as there's people in Denver, how'd that feel? Pretty good this past year. And the, and the, and the team that got play award this offseason goes to Miami Heat, putting all their eggs in one basket, thinking they're going to get Damian Lillard. Yeah. End up losing uh, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, and now no Lillard. You keep Tyler Hero in it. In reality, does Tyler Hero want to be there due to the fact his name is in trade rumors every other week? I mean, that's a it's not looking too good over there in Miami. Then you got Jimmy Butler with a new hairdo each training camp. Oh boy. If you guys have seen that, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, he looked hilarious today. That was probably the best part of media day today. Okay, we're gonna to slide to our last topic of this episode. We're gonna do our hot take segment before the season starts, and this should be interesting right here. Dave, I know you always got something to say. What is your hot takes that you have before the season start? So let me be clear. I'm super excited about the season. It's really nice to record with you guys again. And, and here we are, you know, I, I mean, media day. And, and I can't believe next Sunday, I think, is our first preseason game, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's just a fun time of year. And I'm really, really grateful that Memphis basketball is back. So that's a positive thing. I, I, I don't understand this all NBA push for Jaron Jackson. I got to be honest. I think last year was a bit of an anomaly in that there was a lot of injuries in the West. I think he made the all-star team because there were a lot of injuries. I, I hope that what we saw at the uh, FIBA Basketball World Cup 
wasn't really who he, I, I didn't think he was great. And man, I, again, I disagree a little bit. He had eight points, three to three rebounds. Like there was a lot of issues on that USA team. And, and a part of it was he was sort of unplayable and didn't really dominate inside. And I, I wasn't very impressed. Maybe I, I, you know, I'm wrong there, but I, I, I love Jaron. I think he's on a good contract. I don't see the all NBA talent and the consistent, like five, six, seven all-star games. And if he does not reach that, it really, really hurts us. I hope I'm wrong. My take today, though, is I'm concerned without John Morant providing some of that flash offense and some of these other guys that I hope take a leap, like Roddy and some of these other guys, I hope LaRavia. I don't know that Jaron is talented enough over these first 25, 30 games to keep us in the mix in the West. That's an interesting take. I will say, yes, his feeble play was poor. It was abysmal. We could use a lot of adjectives to describe that because, I mean, obviously he did not dominate. Even going before they reached the the, the FIBA tournament, Steve Kerr was stating that he felt like Jaron Jackson was the best player on the team, and obviously he did not perform as the best player. But I will say that that FIBA team had a lot of problems. It showed that Steve Kerr really can struggle to coach without that that warrior system over there. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not just gonna you know criticize Jaron that that much, but I do agree to a certain extent. Jaron Jackson, if if he's in a certain position, he can excel. Obviously, in the Grizzlies system, when you have Stephen Adams right next beside him, and you have a playmaker of John Morant. That's going to elevate his game. He could be a dynamic player, but I still feel like he's such a unique player. There's a lot of guys that basically has an equivalent model to him. We look at another player like Evan Mobley across the street in Cleveland. They're, you know, almost identical players in, in certain play styles. They're predicting that Evan Mobley can be a defensive player of the year now. So if we really think about it, a lot of the, the forwards, the power forwards are replicating to that model. Now, does that, equivalates to them being, you know, an all-NBA player. I don't know. We got to see. You got to understand, these guys nowadays, they're not a true five. They really are a four. They need an actual big man besides them because they lack the size and they lack the physicality. But they're still a unique player because they're able to put the ball on the floor. They're able to guard one through four, sometimes five and they're able to score in pretty different ways. But there's no one who criticizes Dylan Brooks more than me, and he had 39 points for Canada in the bronze yeah. game. Like, even Dylan Brooks in the international stage had 39. Yeah, was- and Jaron, you know, under three rebounds, under one assist, his three-point percentage is 28 and a half or whatever. Like, it's just uninspiring to me that this is the guy we think is going to be like a perennial all-star in Memphis. He won defensive player of the year. That's great. So did Marcus all. We had no rings for that era. Of course, forward name for him. I'm not, I'm not coming down on Jaron other than like, I'm not like ready to say like, we, we got our, our bell cow here. That's going to like carry us to a title. And he did not look great on the international stage. He concerned me a little bit. I thought he was going to be better. Yeah. Well, what I would say about that, I, I said I liked what I saw from Jaron. The stats were not great. I looked at the the entire experience as an opportunity for Jaron to get better. Now, we saw a guy in Anthony Edwards take that opportunity and make the most of it, and now, you know, Anthony Edwards could be a top-10 player this season, and I think we're all influenced to think that by what he did for Team USA. Jaron, as I said, I don't ever expect him to be a good rebounder. The rebounding numbers really did not – Change the way I feel about Jaron at all, but it looked like he was trying something, you know, some other things on offense. He was so one-dimensionally as always been his entire career. It looked like he was trying to get to that right hand more to me, and I, th- I think that that is in, you know, something that I look forward to to seeing this year, and that's why I think he has the potential to make a jump. Is I think we're going to see a, a little bit more rounded offensive game from Jaron. They're going to need him to be a lot better. In you know, especially the start of the season without Ja, obviously he's going to have to supplement some of that scoring for him. He's going to be the one or two option for him uh, to score the basketball, and I think he's going to to take that opportunity and play really well with it. Um, so I I, I think Jaron's going to be awesome this year. I think it's going to be his best season. I think he's going to be a top three defensive player of the year candidate. It's going to be hard to replicate what he did last year again, but 
I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to have a really good season. Yeah. Matt, while, while you're at it, you might as well drop your hot take. What hot take do you have before the sure. season starts? Sure. I want to expand on, on what we were just talking about with the Bucs because I, I really do think they're going to win the East. Or Excuse me. I think they're going to have the best record in the East for the regular season. I think they're going to flame out in the playoffs. When you make a coaching change like they did um, with a guy, now they have Adrian Griffin, who is a really high, highly touted dude who's with Toronto for a lot of years. Um, and I think Giannis is going to be our MVP again. I think, um, obviously, the Joel Embiid MVP of last year did not work out uh, because the Sixers flamed down the playoffs, and they're a mess right now. I think Giannis is going to reassert himself. He's going to be reinvigorated with the Dame trade, and Giannis is going to reassert himself as what we think is the best player in the NBA, which I think he was, you know, up until Jokic kind of took that mantle a couple years ago. But I think after another playoff loss, I, I don't think that those can, you know, the comments that he made on that podcast about leaving Milwaukee have been completely solved by getting Dame Lillard. And I, I really see this, this Milwaukee year for them as they have to be great. They have to win a title to keep him, or I think he's gone, man. And I, I just see it going down like that. I think this is going to be another great regular season team um, that Milwaukee's had for a while. And Giannis going to win MVP, and everybody's going to be talking them up, and then they're going to lose to probably Miami again because they just can't get over Miami in the playoffs. Um, and Giannis is going to be a New York Nick next year. That's my hot take prediction. Whoa, whoa, We're way, whoa. way down the road. And I just really want to see uh, – I think Jalen Brunson and Giannis would be a tremendous combo. Jalen Brunson is a guy that's um, really become near and dear to my heart, man. That dude's awesome. I love Jalen Brunson so much. <laughs> Um, so that's my one for for outside of Memphis, and then my Memphis one. I, I'm going back to to a high take I had last year at the beginning of the year. I think this is a playing team, man. I just think that the West is super deep. I'm not saying that they're going to be the nine or ten team, but I think they could be the seven or eight easily. This is a really good conference this year. Um, you obviously have Phoenix and the reigning champion Denver Nuggets at the top. I think the Lakers got better. Um, Sacramento will still be good. The Warriors are better than last year. Um, Clippers the, are healthy. The Clippers, maybe we'll see. We'll to see. this point, to <laughs> but, this point, but, but, I, <laughs> yeah, but it's October. But. Yeah, and I think that new teams are going to enter the conversation. Um, namely, Oklahoma City. I think we all think is going to be pretty good. I think Dallas made improvements. Uh, Luca seems to be in the best shape of his entire life. The depth of this conference is just ridiculous, man. And um, I, I think that the Grizzlies, without their best player already guaranteed without them for 25 games, you know, other teams are going to be without their best player for a number of games too. Like injuries happen, whatever, rest, whatever is going to happen. Good players miss games all the time. But to to be guaranteed to not have your best player for 25 games is is so huge to me. That is starting way behind the eight ball. And I just find it really hard to believe that this is going to be a top six team in the West. So I got the Grizzlies as a playing team for the second straight year. We'll see if they can prove me wrong again. Yeah, I was about to say, you repeating that same take that you said before the season last year. I got. Right, I can't. Well, I can't be wrong twice. There's no way. Well, <laughs> I, 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 like I said, I, I feel like this team can possibly win 60, 60 games. I'm going to stand on that. But my one hard take, it, it doesn't have to deal with the Grizzlies. It's got something to deal with Philadelphia. It's really got to deal with James Harden. I think James Harden is going to make his way out of the league. He's reaching that Carmelo Anthony stage that back from when he was playing with the Thunder, transitioning to the Houston Rockets. Like, man, it's only so many times that you can be disgruntled and wiggle your way out of the, out of a team. I think Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Matt Barnes they was on the podcast talking about that. Like, you only have so many wibbles, and especially now that you're at an older age. Like, we understand that Harden still is a pretty good player. He can give you 20 and 10. But at the same time, though, with him averaging 20 and 10, and even with him when he was by himself, he never did, you know, excel to the top. And now everywhere he goes within the past two to three years, it's always – you know, some type of disgruntlement with the organization or with the player. And I feel like now, especially, it really set a, a, a big tone that he wasn't able to be moved 
because a lot of people thought he was going to be included into that Damian Lillard package and he was going to be shipped to the Clippers. Daryl Morey doesn't owe you anything, James Harden. I'm going to be honest with you. This isn't necessarily have it your way. This isn't Burger King, James Harden, especially now that you're 34, 35 years old, man. Look at you. You really thought that you was going to be able to seek another big-time contract, and that didn't happen. You are on the verge, especially of how your attitude is. I don't care about your play. You're 34, 35 years old. We don't know how many more years you got left. And you not you don't have a guaranteed big time long term contract. You really need to humble yourself right now, James Harden, or you will be out the league, and he will be having another situation of which Carmelo Anthony had to humble himself and come off the bench. And I'm just and I'm saying that James Harden needs to come off the bench. I don't think he's still uh, he's still a starting caliber type player, but at the same time, he really needs to humble himself because he really thinks of himself as a higher elite player right now, in which he's not anymore. I would push back slightly. I would say this. James Harden was incredible at the start of last year. He was really, really good. He was one of the best point guards in the NBA at the start of last year. And then we got to the playoffs, man, and he laid an absolute egg in the end of that Celtics series. And it was a really tough look. He's an all-time quitter, man. He has backed his way out of several situations now and blown it up. And... I think somebody would still want him. Somebody would still pay him if he does find a way to get out. But the the thing that is is confusing to me is that it, it does seem as though Harden did have some kind of promise from Daryl Morey. I don't think that this like is coming out of nowhere that he's so mad at Morey. And they those two used to be really tight. Like Morey yeah. went and made sure to go to get Harden and put him on this this Philly team after Maury got that job and it, it something had to have happened to where, you know, James Harden took the discount seemingly with the promise that he was going to get paid on the back end. And if Maury kind of welched on that promise because of what he saw in, in the playoffs, I can't blame Maury for doing that. But at the same time, I understand why Harden would be upset that he did not um, get the money that he thought he was going to in that situation. But I still think Harden has a lot of value. It, it would be okay. shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just possible that, that maybe Maury tried and trade's just not there. I mean, I he's an expensive older dude, and you know, Philly wants some equal value for him. It's a tough trade to make happen. That's why, like we talked about earlier with the Damian Lillard trade, that the Portland Trailblazers made a smart basketball decision, not just let's just listen to the player and ship him where he wants to go and and, and handcuff us for the next couple of years. I, I I loved it. I I thought it was a really good basketball trade. Lillard will end up appreciating it, but uh, I just was glad Portland operated as a basketball team. I hope the Sixers do the same. Yeah, and I feel like as well, he wants to go to the Clippers. Come on, man, be real. If you go to the Clippers, you're not going to play more than 30 games. Like, you got too many – you got all the nightlife out there in L.A. That's a distraction for one. And then, two, you know how the Clippers are with the low management thing. Harden wasn't even an all-star last year, so guess what, right? Doesn't he doesn't even uh, apply to the new? Was it the resting rules that you got to be an all star from last year or something like that? So he could rest as much as he wants now if he go to the Clippers. And I mean, like you said, uh, Dave, these teams don't owe you to send you at a specific location just because based off this, that's what you want to say. Like, this is a business at the end of the day, at the end of the day. So, like I said, Daryl Morey doesn't owe James Harden anything. Like, you got paid down there in Houston, and you had one big paycheck. I mean, you still got a paycheck with Adidas. You got a lifetime de- a deal with Adidas, man. It's just, you know, James Harden, man, he, he's always been an all-time quarter to me. I've never really too, too much like his worth ethic. He always wants to, you know, be in the nightlife, want to be in the spot, spotlight. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's one of the all-time greatest shooting guards one of the most craftiest scores, but it's, it's term in terms of his NBA and being like a, a straight up person that want to be driven and do the right thing. Uh, he's never been that guy. Well, one thing that you guys really convinced me of last year was the quality of the Denver Nuggets. I didn't see at the beginning of the season. And what I did appreciate as the season went along was the professionalism of the organization from the head coach on down. 
And, and, and they improved around the margins, right? They didn't take big swings for guys like Kyrie and they didn't bring in Durant at the trade. They improved around the margins because their superstar and his really high level players like, you know, uh, Murray and, and, and Gordon and, and some of these other guys really play well together and just seem like a, a really high level organization. And we're not seeing that from the Sixers. We're not seeing that for some of these other teams that are taking these big swings and, and, and not, you know, we saw a championship team that seemed to show us the roadmap of how to win in today's NBA. Uh, and, and I, I think that Harden's uh, demands to go to all these other things, you know, if the Sixers want to operate in the way that teams win now, um, I'm not sure he's the best fit there, but I don't think they should just give him what he wants either. It's a very complicated situation. I feel. Yeah, I, I, I certainly feel like that, and I don't think Harden. <laughs> I really think he might be at the beach. But he can help someone, Xavier. Like he, you know, if he had his head screwed on him, if I was one of his friends, don't you want to win a title, James? Like, don't you want to think he help them win? You know, don't you want? That's what I'm saying. I don't think he has that. Yeah, I don't think he has that desire at this point. He wants the money, and, and he has to be in a city that has to have the nightlife. That's just how James Harden operates. So. So you're saying we're not going to see a Utah Jazz trade for James Harden? Uh, most certainly not. not. Charlotte, I got to get Charlotte in. I got. We're not going to get a, a Charlotte Hornets trade for James Harden. Certainly not. Charlotte, hey, James Harden might go to Charlotte right now. You see they, that they partner with Mr. Beast. You know, Mr. Oh, yeah. Beast like throwing yeah. money to anybody. So James Harden might might make that move over there. That's the all-time worst sports like sponsorship on a jersey of all time. There, there's never been a worse one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you say, Matt? That's the all-time worst one. That's the all-time worst like sports sponsorship on a jersey of all time. By the way, yeah, mo- I, <laughs> most definitely. I don't know what's coming to like. I mean, the sponsorships are coming to nowadays. But hey, we got it. We got Mr. Beast partnering with the NBA now. So hopefully, hey, we could get sponsored to the NBA if we make it that far. That that's that's inspiration for us now. Anybody <laughs> four, can. Four. Yeah, but that closes today's episode of the Core 4 Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening and watching us today. All right, Matt, why don't you plug the people into your socials so where they can follow you? Yep, follow me on Twitter at Matt H. Gill. Always good to pod with you guys. All right, Dave, where can the people follow you as well? Also on Twitter at DLB nineteen thirty three eight, and uh, very exciting time of year as as the Grizz go to training camp tomorrow, right? And we'll be back with another episode, I believe, uh, before the start of the regular season with all of our uh, preseason awards, regular season awards, and all kinds of good stuff. So great being with you guys today. Yeah, a lot of Grizzlies news is about to drop. So be mm-hmm. sure not only follow us, follow the Grizzlies Bear Blues channel, all platforms on twitter instagram and youtube as well you can follow me on twitter at zaytime takes and on youtube at zaytime takes and then you can find me on instagram at it on instagram at zaytime takes as well but appreciate you guys listening you guys have a good day all right fellas good uh so we'll